Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is going to be the first of many review, recap, and breakdowns of the HBO show Westworld. My name is Nick. I am joined by my co-host, Ashley. Hi, everybody. Yeah, and we are going to be talking about episode two from season two. The episode is titled Reunion. And uh, this episode primarily focuses on Dolores. This episode actually feels like a show that me and Ashley watched previously and religiously followed, and that's Lost. This this episode has a very Lost feel to it, and that it it really only follows one main overarching story, and that's partially William and mostly Dolores and their shared flashbacks, so to speak, to put together uh, uh, some of the events that happened prior to where we're at right now, a, a lot of people I've been seeing online, a lot of confusion in regards to, oh, well, there's all these timelines. Every time we jump back, we were in a different moment. But we were familiar with Lost. It's a progressive flashback timeline. Every time we flash back, we're just a little further ahead in time. And, and the whole flashbacks followed um, Arnold and uh, Robert Ford presenting their new tech. They're part of a group called the Argos Initiative, we found out. And they're showing off this new tech to the Delos uh, group, and per- primarily Logan and sort of William. William kind of bails out on it. Uh, we meet a bunch of the hosts in, in, a, in a big party scene. Uh, and then we jump ahead in time a little further than that to uh, after the events of season one, where William is now kind of taking over for James Delos we see them in the park at one point while William makes a case that there's more to the park than meets the eye, more so than what they saw when they were in the park. Uh, he manages to sell uh, Mr. Delos on this essentially Facebook data mining opportunity, which is what it seems like on the surface. Our next uh, jump in this kind of past is at James Delos's retirement party where we find out that cough, through, cough. Yeah, through, through, through a couple of really, really poorly acted coughs from a, a, someone who acted amazing throughout the whole rest of the show, um, he, uh, he's dying apparently. And so with William taking over, uh, James giving up his CEO spot, uh, and, and then Dolores wanders off. We find Logan again who comments about how there's something going on with the human race. And we're not quite sure. We'll get into it a little bit. We're not quite sure whether he's talking uh, event, the, you know, the events that are unfolding as a result of Delos's participation in Westworld or if something's already going on in the real world that Delos might already be responsible for. And uh, I th- think that was mostly it in terms of the the flashbacks. Other than that, we're in the present, following Dolores in the immediate events um, after the events at Escalante. We see her after with that that guest from last episode. They let run off one of the board members. We find out that they know where one of these remote refurbishment outposts are. Yada, yada, yada. Teddy finds more out about himself. Uh, They recruit one of the butchers in there in the same way that Maeve kind of recruited Felix. Uh, He's got like a behavior tablet. They're going around. They're reviving hosts. They're they're raising an army 
to fight back against the humans. And then the other two people we followed throughout this episode was modern-day William, man in black William, call him Billy <laughs> or Bill. That's, you know, when I think of Ed Harris, I just I, I feel like he's not a William. He's a Bill. But uh, we follow the man in black. He uh, links back up with an old friend, Lawrence. And in the sense of the game will find William, it's revealed that they have to go back to Pariah, which is where everything started for Black Hat William, at least. That is where things changed for William in the park and where uh, he started, essentially. Other than that, he was just kind of along for the ride. It was all Logan's party up until Pariah, and William kind of took a bigger role. And... uh, I'd, I'm trying to think anything else more in terms of just like direct recap here, but just other than Dolores, um, you know, trying to get an army together, meeting with the Confederados. Um... Very that that scene too. A lot of a lot of religious tones in that scene, and, and that's not to say that's that one we, of my favorite scenes. Oh, from to- this. and that's a great scene, and that's not to say that Westworld's trying to get into religion or anything, but. There was some really great visual uh, bits in there. I think one of the really cool things was the Last Supper, how that was played out with the Confederados. And then they execute all of them. And then Dolores revives the captain of the Confederados, a very Jesus-like thing, and then essentially tells him, I killed God. So if you want anyone's favor, it's my favor. And uh, something that was really interesting we watch this with subtitles, and you, normally you think about something like glory. Like they talk about glory. You think of that as like a, a state of being, a feeling, uh, something to achieve, but it's capitalized. The letter G is capitalized in glory, and it kind of gives this feeling that it's, uh, it's more of a place, a, de- a true destination, and not a destination in the sense of an achievement or a mind's destination, but glory is a physical place within Westworld that seems to go by many names. The Valley Beyond, uh, Lawrence calls it the Pearly Gates, you know, even saying to old William at one point, don't we have to die to get to the Pearly Gates? To which William says, no, it's actually just three days due west. So, and this all happens to tie into whatever this weapon we keep hearing about. But before we get into some of those theories, um, Ashley, what did you think about this episode? What, you know, like, what's your review here on this episode? What did you think about where the story's gone, what we've learned so far? I got to be honest, this wasn't my favorite episode so far. It was um, a lot of backstory, which we need, but I feel like it didn't progress the story further anymore so um i i enjoyed like my my favorite scene was definitely the last supper scene um like nick said they they used the capital g i didn't realize that he pointed that out to me but they also used um when talking about god they were actually talking about ford and they used the word him and him was capitalized um so i found that really interesting um other than that, um, I, I really enjoyed the scenes with Logan when he was shooting up dope. Um, I felt really bad for Logan. I, I can't believe that because I hated him so much last season and I felt so much sympathy I for wanna, him. I want to know what happened for him to get to that point where he's at right now. But um, 
you know they 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 did have the Kanye song in there. We all know that, but um, he even makes it. A, a reference to it when he toasts the assholes in the party and i thought that was an awesome connection um yeah taking like a direct line right out of the song yeah it was pretty neat um speaking of lines that that end up getting repeated a lot we got a lot of like notes here on this i religiously take notes when i watch this show it's just it's really hard you got to keep it all together uh, two really important ones. The first one actually comes from Dolores. Dolores actually says the line, I think, um, three times. Yeah, three times throughout the episode. And then William has the line at one point. But uh, in the beginning, Dolores looking out on all the skyscrapers in the real world. The, the scene opens up with them in the real world. It's... It, there's still so much speculation. People keep talking about it. You know, we're somewhere in Asia. Guys, it's mainland China, possibly coastal China. They're in China. It's it was the China. It's the Chinese military. And, and it shouldn't really be a, a far reach for most people. Anyone who's seen the movie 2012 knows that when they all went to those arcs at the end, it was in China. It was in like the Himalayan mountains and they were in China. And, and a lot of the stuff had to do with getting to China. Like, China's a huge superpower. They're a huge superpower right now. It's not hard to imagine that they would be a big power in the future. Mandarin is already, I think, like the second or third most spoken language, if not the most spoken language in the world. Uh, so, it, you know, it's not hard to believe. I, I can't imagine they'd be in any other Asian countries uh, we're places with the kind of size and magnitude to get things done other than China. Whether or not these are just islands off the coast of China or whether they're truly man-made islands, which I, I have a hard time believing. But, uh, you know, in a world where people can heal themselves with like a little laser gun, I guess you could build really cool old Utah-style canyons in a man-made island. It's still a little hard wrapping my mind around that part of it, but... We'll go with it where we go with it. They are in China. Uh, there's uh, Chinese and, and you know, people. I heard some people being like, well, it could be in like a Chinatown in a future New York. And I was like, yeah, and I get it. There's mostly Asian people in Chinatown, but it was populated. The whole city, every shot seemed to be populated. It was Asian people. They are in China. It's, it's not a, a far stretch. There's a lot of money over there. There's a lot of really great opportunities. And if in a future when the communist government wasn't ruling it, it seems like China is going to be the next big place. But I'm, I'm getting away from my point. Dolores uh, looks out at all of the skyscrapers and all the night lights and says, looks like the stars have scattered across the ground. Have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? And she has this great conversation, uh, this lengthy scene with Arnold before inevitably repeating the same line verbatim as if she didn't even realize she had said it before. This clearly affects Arnold. Uh, there's a, a look of dejection on his face, this realization that she's not fully ready yet. And even that far back, he was really pushing for her consciousness. And, and before we started the podcast, one of the things that we were talking about um, was what it... What did Arnold mean when he said that she wasn't ready yet? Um, and and I think part of where we ended up coming to, I think, there was the fact that she still got a little too much innocence and naivety. It's, I, it, it's not only innocence. It's that the fact that she repeated that line 
and the look of, like you said, dejection on her face, on, on Bernard's face. Arnold. Uh, or, or Arnold, my fault. Um, she's she still has that robot mentality. She doesn't have the full consciousness yet, and it just seems like my my thing with Dolores is I I feel like she plays a certain role in Arnold's life and what that role is we haven't found out yet but he she really means something to him um whether it was a past girlfriend whether it was someone he knew from his real life um that's yet to be found out but um you know Dolores is very very important to Arnold and I'm just curious to see why and and what the backstory is with that yeah because clearly you know, he, he is right in that sense that she's not ready for that. And it's hard to imagine Dolores in Angela's position in the coming scenes. I don't think she would have sold Logan quite as well as Angela had. Absolutely. Um, but it it also, for me, it seems like Arnold is so hell-bent on getting her to achieve consciousness that uh, he's not quite he's not quite ready to unleash her. Or maybe he's actually even afraid that something bad could happen because she is on the cusp of consciousness and that he doesn't want something to go wrong because she's kind of glitching out while he's trying to help her see the real world. I mean, It's he not even... necessarily a glitch, though. I mean, that's what she's programmed to do. So, I mean, it's it's not what he wants her to be at is what I think you're trying to say. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're, that's, that's kind of what I'm... It's just hard... So much, you know, even <laughs> even in an episode where not a lot goes on, uh, it, it there's still a lot to process in, in terms of a lot of the things that uh, that go on in there. Uh, what else do I have in here? Um, oh, can, uh, can it, I bring up my my one of my favorite things with this episode was seeing William and his clothes changing throughout the this this episode you can see his clothes getting darker and darker and darker he starts with a suit with a white shirt and and at one point he was wearing a, a gray suit right and at one point he was wearing a gray suit really and, and as as this episode progresses and when we finally see him with Dolores when he wakes her up um he's wearing all black so you get to kind of see the progression of of William through that and I found that beyond interesting and man by that last scene too i mean he was he was just absolutely nefarious too he was that that scene when he's finally in all black he is horrible to dolores which is weird because we're talking about a robot but he like he brings her online just to degrade her it's it's awful and not only that when they're at the retirement party he brings his family and his daughter and stares right at Dolores and you can kind of see Dolores looking like she kind of has a little bit of consciousness as to what's going on there but um does she really we don't know but um it seemed like that was a deliberate intent that he did that and malicious yeah because you do see that in like bits and pieces and I guess it's it's really hinted at based on the fact that um, a lot of these flashbacks are happening because we know Dolores is actually flashing back. Uh, so she is catching it. She is remembering, wait, 
I was at this thing, I was playing piano, and then she's remembering, I actually had a moment where I recognized that guy, and I, it was, it seems like one of those things, and I can't remember if they uh, phrased it in the last season or not, or if it, it was maybe from another show, where it's one of those things where you're kind of like grasping at it, and it's just out of your reach, it seems like she's reached, she's like, I know that person, but why do I know that person, it's just that weird look, and it really unnerves um, William's wife, I can't remember her name. Emily? But uh no that's the daughter's name. Oh okay. And uh it, I mean it, clearly William's obsession with that park and still with Dolores at least tormenting Dolores was enough to drive his wife to eventually kill herself. So at the end of it, you know, William didn't find happiness in the real world either. You can even see that when the daughter comes over immediately the wife calls the daughter back from talking to Dolores, there's obviously yeah, some kind of knowledge there th- about William and Dolores. There's there's no doubt in my mind that Logan spilled the beans and said something and was like, yo, he was in there going absolutely crazy and it was over some robot girl. Um, because even uh, James Delos, when they're in the park, when they show up, they freeze all the hosts, they arrive in the helicopter. I mean, his comments, especially when he, 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 he says it, uh, he could be referring to Dolores as an it, but it seems like he's kind of generally talking about it's beautiful, it's very pretty, and he's talking about Westworld itself. But he he is making those blanket statements right in Dolores's face. And William then is revealed to be behind him, acknowledging, yes, it is very pretty, and you're still left wondering... Are they talking about Westworld and Sweetwater, or are they talking about Dolores? And I think I th- William's talking about Dolores, because he's staring right at her mm-hmm. when he says that. I don't know if Delos is necessarily talking about her. I think he's talking about the park in general, but um, yeah, I William's staring right in her face when he says that, so I think he's referring to Dolores. And uh, it, also in that uh, that scene that I thought was really cool, we got a really, really brief glimpse of Armstice in a previous life as the deputy sheriff. I love that. Um, real quick, you know, one of those blink and you'll miss it scenes. But something else that was really that I didn't pick up on until post show Reddit and then second watch through. But Dolores's facial expression when all of the hosts are frozen before the helicopter arrives, Dolores's facial expression changes about three times. Uh, when everything first freezes, her mouth is kind of partially open. You can see teeth. And then the camera pans up to the helicopter and then pans right back down to Dolores. Close-up shot, and her mouth is closed, lips closed, no teeth. At first, I was willing to chalk that up to a continuity kind of thing, but a show that's th- as deliberate as this, especially with a shot that close up, it's hard putting it off it like that. And it and it seemed like there were scenes within that where we bounced back and forth where she kind of had this like disapproving look and like a smirk as well in a couple of the shots. So she was definitely pro- obviously processing that because that scene wasn't a flashback from William. It was once again another Dolores flashback. And uh, it's not a far-fetched notion to believe that some hosts aren't frozen when commands are given because when um, when the butchers came up to take Clementine away last season, 
Maeve remained unfrozen at the bar after she'd had those modifications. After she'd been freed, she was no longer under that control. And uh, speaking of control, speaking of Maeve and Dolores and the fact that the episode is called Reunion, we got a Dolores-Maeve reunion. The first time we've seen them both on screen at the same time since the infamous These Violent Delights Have Violent Ends that Dolores said to Maeve that sparked Maeve's whole quest for freedom to begin with. And I need to comment on that because these violent delights have violent ends. This is a, a line from Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Friar, is it really? Friar Lawrence says this um, right as he's marrying Romeo and Juliet. And it's it's saying that hopefully that uniting Romeo and Juliet, these violent delights that have been going on in their life, by bringing Romeo and Juliet together, that they're going to... Um, cause an end to all the violence that was going on in their world. A lot of people think this comment is a Westworld quote, and it's not. So I just want to throw my two cents in there, English major. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and I'm trying to find in my, uh, in my other notes here, it might be in some of the notes that I still had upstairs. I'm, I, I might have remembered that from the end of the season because I did have, oh, wait, nope, that's not it. That's not it. I think it's, I think it's upstairs. But I, uh, I did have a whole thing. There were a bunch of really important lines from last season that ended up, they were actually quotes and monologues from famous plays and um, literary works from history. Yeah, there's, there's a few Shakespearean quotes in season one. And uh, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to go over that next week then because I'll have to make sure I have those notes a little better prepared for that. I don't know where they quite are. And 50 pages of notes in front of me and they're not one of them that's really sad <laughs> um but I, I i did i did note that and uh something that i thought was interesting you know we, we we get into what kind of control Maeve has and what kind of influence she has over uh other host was um did she command uh dolores to let her pass or did she simply just make the right point and dolores let her pass to me it seemed like dolores kind of was like all right you can go it didn't seem like it was a f a command issued but it, then i hesitate because the way teddy responded the way teddy just casually was like oh well, i guess everything's all done here holster my pistol and it's like well, that seemed very matter-of-factly and not hesitant at all. I mean, was that then a command? Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that either. I, I, I went back and rewatched that scene a couple times because I, I initially thought that was Maeve making, you know, having control of everything and, and just making Dolores walk, let let them go past, but it might not be. Um like like Nick said, maybe maybe the points that she made were valid in Dolores's mind, and and she let her go. Um, the the thing with Teddy holstering his gun um, that was a little weird, and that did seem like maybe sh maybe Maeve had some influence on that. But or, as or far maybe as, at the very least, influence on Teddy. Right, I, 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 Teddy. That's what that's what I meant to say. But um, as far as Dolores goes. Um, I I, th I think that was you know Dolores' consciousness letting him go. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I I did love that quick shot of Lee Sizemore in a two sizes too small stable boy outfit. I mean, talk about you know adding insult to injury to that 
poor coward. I mean, I don't really feel bad for him. It's like every chance he gets, he tries to sell out everyone around him. So, I mean, this is totally him getting his comeuppance. But it was just funny. He's there in that like little straw hat, that way too tight shirt that does not look good on him at all. <laughs> it's not like it's not like you're looking at a at like a male stripper in a too tight shirt, and you're like, well, that don't look that bad. It was like you're just looking at him, and you're like, did you just go shopping in the little boy section? Where did you get that outfit? <laughs> They're just humiliating him. He's just dragging that horse around. Maven Hector, badass as hell. I want to know what's going on with Armstice, though. Present day yeah. Armstice. I mean, we saw her in that post credit scene uh, last season where she, like, took her arm off, like, cut her arm off, and then was, like, manipulating the tendons to shoot those guys. It was so badass. I'm really hoping she's still kicking. And speaking of characters that we haven't seen yet that are still kicking, getting a little bit into theory time here. We're just kind of jumping all over the place here, but that's all right. Um, I want to know when when we're going to see Elsie because they did confirm that she's not dead. Uh, Lisa Joy and an interview back in February did confirm that Elsie and Ashley Stubbs were not dead. We've already seen Stubbs, Stubbs, so you know we've gotten his reappearance already. We know he's all well and good, but Elsie is still alive, and it it plays out. Elsie is still alive, though, the in the manner that she died, because she didn't die. She was being choked, but we didn't see the death. We didn't see the death. And off-screen death means they're still alive. I mean, we've seen this. uh, How many episodes of Game of Thrones? (laughs) (laughs) They don't die on screen. They're still kicking somewhere. But uh, I, I want to know how she got out of that predicament. Like, right. did because we know now that it was Bernard that choked her out because it was part of that flashback but sequence. But we also know that Bernard and Elsie had a thing going, so maybe yeah, maybe, maybe about halfway. He actually gained some consciousness while he was choking her and choked her unconscious and not killed. Right. Uh, you know, wherever she's at, maybe that's where someone will find her. Hopefully, it's someone like Stubbs. You know. It, It'd be neat to see that kind of uh, those two rekindle. It seemed like they kind of had something going for a little bit as well. And and then they were off on their own separate paths again. But, I mean, he was the one that went looking for before he got attacked by Ghost Nation. And we saw Stubbs just so nonchalantly last episode. So it was like, how did he get out of that pickle? Right. I'm I'm sure we're going to find out. I feel like season two is a lot of filling in the gaps. And I think um, for some people... That's been a cool thing, and for other people, it's not been a cool thing. A lot of people have been like, well, I theorized all this stuff. I want to see all new stuff, but just like we all theorized all the stuff in season one, we all just want to know that our theories are being confirmed, so it's kind of neat seeing these things kind of play out, some of these things, and I don't mind so much that it's not as heavily puzzle-fied, making up words here. It's, uh, it's, it's not the same as season one. I don't think it's experiencing a sophomore slump, Per se, I know there's a lot of people that are like, I don't feel like I'm thinking hard enough. The show's not good anymore. And it's like, you know, not every season of Lost was all about screwing with your mind. I was just going to bring up Lost because Lost was one of the best shows to theorize with. And I wish we had podcasts and stuff like Talking Dead that we have now. I wish we had that back then. But um, because I used to sit around and and talk about the show for hours and theorize and theorize. And um you know, this isn't the same kind of dynamics as Lost, but, I mean, it does get you really thinking about each scene, every line delivered, how it's delivered, and it's it's awesome to really get in there and think about these things. Totally. Sometimes, you know, maybe the whole thing doesn't have a ton of mystery in an episode, but 
we've been going over certain lines. There's there's little clues here that I think will ease that are going to be important. You know, we went through so much of that religious stuff, the the stuff even between Lawrence and William uh, when they were in that saloon. Uh, they ride to that saloon where William finds that hidden med pack. Now, what, did he put that there? It's my feeling that he hid that there. I feel like it's possible that he put it there. This is this is the one where we're on two different or two different ends. Um, you think that he's probably scattered some like little things little around little the park kits throughout yeah. the park. Um, I'm I'm personally the belief that these are these are built in by the Westworld park employees for those instances where someone cuts themselves on something and they're like, Oh crap. The remote outpost is really far away. And uh, a host didn't do this to me, but I'm about to bleed out and die. So I, I feel like they have a contingency plan. And I, I feel like William just knows where all this stuff is because he's the CEO and it, it ends up being like his job to know where these things are. But at the same time, now that we know after last episode, he has his own cabin in Westworld. He has his own house. None of the other guests have houses. They stay at saloons and hotels within the park or at the resort itself. He actually has his own cabin, his own change of clothes in there and everything. So I I wouldn't put it past uh, William to have, you know, buried his own little health kits. But even he at, at one point is like, well, technically this is cheating. And he seems like he's been anti-cheating for a long time. Although his explosive cigars were a little bit cheating. Yeah, they they weren't they weren't definitely. explosive in the first place. They got a request for pyrotechnics and, <laughs> and Stubbs was like, yeah, give that guy whatever he wants. So he definitely cheated in that sense in order to speed up Hector's, you know, trip back to Sweetwater and everything. So you know, I wouldn't put it past William being the one who stashed those kits. But uh, him and Lawrence have a uh, a sit down and William asks Lawrence if he believes in God. And he kind of compares himself to God, not in the sense of of being in control, but being the all seeing eye that he's been tallying people's sins. He's been watching everyone's choices and it almost doesn't even, I mean, he even said, you know, he doesn't really say that he's going to be the one to pass judgment. In fact, he even at one point mentions that I have received my judgment all the same and I've taken issue with it. I'm going to fight my way back and appeal the verdict and then I'm going to burn this whole place to the ground. What do you think that means? I'm, I'm stuck on this because I don't... I want to know why he wants to burn it to the ground when he was so gung-ho about making this park and having it be exactly what it is now. And now he wants to burn it to the ground. So I, I'm kind of at a loss as to where, why he said that. And, and, and I, I, we're going to get into the weapon, I'm sure. But um, I, I don't really know. I don't know that there were a lot of in- interesting um, statements made by the by William in that scene. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, why why are they tallying the guests? Why are they uh, counting up their sins? And what are they doing with that information? So another thing I hope they get to. And and you know, getting into the weapon. Um... It's mentioned a number of times in this episode by uh, William and Dolores, and we get bits and pieces of what the weapon might entail 
excuse me, what the weapon might entail in the fact that it probably has something to do with all of the data that's stored on Peter Abernathy, which we found out was largely um, guest DNA, guest experiences. I mean, they when Charlotte said last season that he's got 35 years or 30 years of of information on him and it's about that you know it could just disappear uh that was really really literal uh in the sense that it is information on everybody and it seems like blackmail is too simplistic uh, you know um the the sequel to the westworld movie was a movie called future world where delos was actually cloning the guests and replacing them in the real world with hosts and whether something like that might be happening here um i i want to know what you think of that what i think at least is i in terms of the showrunners i don't know that that's what they're going for Uh, i don't think they're going to be pushing for future world so quickly um maybe hints of it of it but um I don't know. It's 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 tough to say where where they're really going with this whole thing. I I personally I'm of the belief that they wouldn't jump to that right away. I, I agree with you in that instance, especially since we haven't explored Shogun World, Raj World, um, the potential Roman medieval world. We know that there are at least six parks, and I feel like since the first season and how the park ultimately fell apart didn't follow really any of the beats of the Westworld movie that they, you know, other than the name and the basic premise, I they're, they're really doing their own thing. And I think even if they did roll in Future World, I feel like the notion of cloning guests and replacing them with host versions feels too cheap i I I feel like it's ripped too much off that that might be what they're doing though because why are they collecting dna why are they collecting all the information from the the guests there um are they trying to put the hosts out in the real world was Maeve last season when she got on the train she was supposed to be infiltrating the real world the mainland and then, infiltrator and then she she got her own consciousness and got off the train but um where where are they going with that are they are the hosts already out in in the real worlds uh, that's that's an, an a crazy point if that's the case um not sure not sure if that's if we're actually there yet though now in terms of like the weapon itself do you think the weapon you know because we're dealing with the nolan brother here so you never know what what it's going to be we were taught you know last year it was the maze and and you know half the people were like he's got to find a maze so there's going to be something at the center of a maze and then we found out the maze was just this little kids game and it was actually about a voyage of self-discovery for the host it was all metaphorical is this weapon something similar? Is this a metaphorical weapon um, as opposed to a physical weapon? Is this a weapon that could just ruin every every rich person who's ever crossed the gates of the park and throw the world into some sort of anarchy kind of weapon as opposed to some sort of actual physically destructive style I of weapon? I think it's it might be kind of like a self-destruct weapon for the park. Maybe just tear the whole park down weapon. Um 
I, I can't wait to see the episode when Dolores and the Man in Black actually get there because they're both going to the same spot and I'm assuming they're both going to where this weapon is. Um, she's been there before. He's been there before. So he built it. He knows where it is. Um, as far as what it is, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure yet. I, I, I think Abernathy is a huge part in the in the weapon, whether he's the actual weapon or he's a catalyst to the weapon. Um, not exactly sure, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I feel, I feel like he's the catalyst or, or the ammunition. I feel like Abernathy's information has to be loaded into something for this weapon to be usable. But... Still, but that, that doesn't know. make sense either because um, Charlotte was trying to get Abernathy delivered out of the park. So. That's true. Yeah, back to Delos, Delos's main hub. So, so maybe you're everything right. we just said is not. But Charlotte, at all. <laughs> Charlotte and William clearly were seen working together. I mean, William knows exactly what's going on. Charlotte does. Charlotte, you know, mentioned like, oh, I don't like coming all the way out here in my civvies to to talk this kind of stuff and. So, you know, they were working on a contingency plan even back on season one. We just didn't know that it was there in the park. And, you know, I have to look at I'd have to look at a screen cap from from the first episode. I still want to know how this sea, this this undiscovered sea apparently plays into it and why all those hosts congregated there as well at the end of the other episode. And. And the unfortunate thing is, is I don't think we're going to get an answer to that for at least four more episodes. I, I think it'll be a while before we get an answer to that. But I think that maybe that's the weapon that that went off, um, killed all the hosts. And because pretty much everyone, we saw Teddy, we saw, uh, looked like hundreds of hosts in the water. So maybe the weapon's actually in that water. Um, we saw a clip of, um, William bringing Dolores to where I, I'm assuming is the the weapon that he's building, not built yet. Um, maybe that is all covered up with water at some point, and even Ford didn't know about this. One thing we haven't talked about yet that I do want to pay tribute to is the fact that Gus Fring from Breaking oh, Bad. What a great cameo. Uh, great cameo. Love the seeing new him. Um, it was awesome. I, I was so excited when I saw him. He's one of my favorite characters on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And um, I did, it's great to see. It was it was I mean, I you you caught it right away uh, after just hearing the voice. I've been so removed. It's been so many years since I last saw Breaking Bad that I forgot what his voice really sounded like. And you don't watch Better Call Saul. And, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm dropping the ball. But uh, um, it was for, for me, it was crazy. And I finally put together and then I started looking. and I was like. Well, he's got hair. That's why I didn't really recognize him. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, looks like he's maybe gained a few, but then you start hearing the voice and you're like, it is, it's Gus Fring. This is so cool. It was the, such an awesome the cameo. The cool thing about that cameo was the the words that were coming out of his mouth were, were Robert Ford's. It, it was not, it was not, uh, what, what's his name, Alonzo? Alazo. El Alazo, I'm sorry. Um, it, it was not him speaking. It was Ford speaking through him. And that was something really cool. And a lot of people, and I, I'm, unfortunately, this still, even though it should, this still won't kill the speculation that Ford is dead and, oh, there's a host Ford. No, there's no host Ford. Ford is dead. But... Um, and, and that's fact. People are just going to have to accept it. But the important thing was in that last line before he was shot when he said, 
that the greats like Beethoven and Chopin didn't die. They simply became their music. The music in this instance is the hosts. We found out last episode that the hosts are all connected as part of this big mesh network and that they can all communicate with each other just from bouncing information from one to the next closest to the next closest. And Ford now lives inside all of the hosts. Just like he's like Agent Smith. He can be in whatever host he wants at any given time. You know, if William is is Neo here, then Ford is his Agent Smith. He can take over whatever host he needs to to deliver a line. Because yeah, we saw that we saw that last episode with the little little Ford, the little bit, the little boy, little um, Robert. Because that was Robert. yeah, yep. that was Robert's. That was like the kid version of Robert yep. that uh, Arnold built. So I mean, in in the last episode, you could hear. Uh, Anthony Hopkins voice coming through this little boy which I thought was phenomenal but that was um, so cool I had to watch it with the the closed captions on to to get all the dialogue it was was really hard to to hear hear. it was really hard to hear and that's why you know I every time I go back I always do a rewatching with closed captions on because there's always that one line you miss and you know we found it just from watching that that certain certain letters and certain words were capitalized giving them a whole different meaning you know the devil's in the details and some of those details are really small um while we're talking about ford i did have one of the important questions that i want to know and, and i also have a really good wyatt point too but how much of this did ford really know you know as far as what everything everything that delos is doing you know, um, Charlotte made a point being like, no one knew this facility was here when she took Bernard there. But did, you know, it, when when um, when Ford was talking to Teresa, you know, about, oh, yeah, I knew this is the exact table you sat at. That's the chair you sat at. Everything about this is the same because we know everything about you in here. I'm God. I know everything. It seems a little far-fetched that anyone could get anything done on Westworld's property without Ford knowing and I think that, but it is Ford, possible. It's definitely well, I, possible. I think that Ford largely allowed it to go on. I don't know why yet, but I feel like Ford might have known. One of the questions I wrote down for myself was, did Ford know, and did he set this final narrative up? If it is a narrative, in motion to stop Delos is I'm, a host I rebellion. Am, what am, could prevent this? I am one hundred percent convinced that all these hosts are on a new narrative. Um, and that maybe they, I really think Maeve is the only one that has achieved full consciousness. I, I, I don't even think Dolores has. I think this is all a narrative. It feels story-like out. for her. It feels very story-like. Um, and I, I I feel like they're going to, that's going to be revealed towards probably like episode 9 or 10. But um, So that's far off. But In fact, that actually takes me back to something in season 1. I don't know. Um, this would have been something I would have had to have had uh, pointed out for me a little earlier on because uh, I can't even remember what episode it was. But uh, or maybe I can. Do, do you remember what episode it was when they were first in Pariah in, in season one and Dolores saw herself? She started marching in that parade and then all of a sudden she just like disappears and she ends up in a room with um, Ford and Ford oh, starts talking and, and it was partially while, you know, she was she saw herself and um, this is not pariah. No, this is episode nine. Oh, man. It was definitely one of the later episodes. I don't remember which one it was. Let's see. They're in the Confederados camp in this one. I, you know, I at least had to give myself credit for 
how uh, how crazy in depth you are. Well, you know, I gotta say, you know, in depth notes make it a little easier to figure out what's going on in each episode, especially the fact that I separated them out by scenes. I mean, we keep bringing up Lost. I was nuts with Lost. I didn't take notes. <laughs> I, can you imagine trying to take notes, and especially with how many questions didn't end up getting answered? That was I was actually talking about that at the beginning of my other show today, my regular show. Beyond like the the nice thing is, is it seems like most of these. Um, most of these things end up getting resolved, but, uh, not everything does end up getting resolved. I, I'm never going to find well, this in any sort of reasonable that, time. Something I'm really excited for with next episode is the tiger that they show. Uh, my DVR sucks and it cut out right before the preview. So I had to watch a preview on YouTube, but, um, they show that tiger. I'm thinking it's the tiger that ends up dead in episode one. I want to know how that got there because that's obviously from another park and all the parks are connected. They're all right next to each other. But I, I, I'm thinking maybe we'll get to find out how that actually got there. Well, how connected do you think they are? Do you think these parks are on separate islands that are connected via maybe like an underground tunnel system? Or are we all on one chunk of land where all these parts, parks are? Although you I know- personally think it's all they're all built right next to each other i don't think they're separate islands so that's just what i think um the way they're described it's described that they're right next to each other so to me that doesn't say that they're on different islands or anything i feel like this this ends up being hopeless i'll have to well i'll have to come back to that but um, ultimately, what happened was when, when Dolores was marching in that thing, she falls out of consciousness because Ford calls her back, uh, at least in one of the timelines, and is talking to her and then asks her, you know, if you were to, to you know, you seem happy in your little loop, if you were to do something different and follow this other thing, who would you be? Would you be the good guy or the bad guy? And he, you see him clearly making changes to to everything on there. And that's what I think, you know, leads me to believe and coming back to the point you were making earlier that she still is on a loop uh, because Ford did mess with her while she was in Pariah, while she was in Pariah alone, because we we found out that she was literally just retracing her steps. And that's what seemed to confuse so many people was we saw Dolores in Pariah with William and Logan. And then suddenly we'd see just Dolores in Pariah all alone. In the same things. And I think when she saw herself marching in the band, that was present time. And then she got called back by Ford, who told her to fall into, and it even says, and I think in the closed captions, that it's Ford voice saying, um, fall into a deep and whatever slumber, slumber, yeah, slumber. And then she comes back online, and, you know, he's like, you're like way off from where you're supposed to be. I'm just going to let this keep playing out. But if, you know, if you were to have a new role, who would you be? Would you be the good guy or the bad guy? And I think she is in this new role as a bad guy, or at least an anti-hero of sorts. Because one of the things I keep telling myself in order to help still root for Dolores, because it's getting really hard to, is that all the people that have come into this park are terrible sinners. You know, they have all come in here and they have done horrible, horrible things to these hosts. Even the people following the white hat path, they're still killing bad guys right. and those bad guy hosts in another iteration of their lifespan they might have been one of the good guys they we saw armstice she was a deputy sheriff at one point and then she becomes one of hector's people so she's been good and bad so she's been killed by good people and bad people she's been killed 
So it's like no one who's come to this park is innocent. Well, that's that's a lot of what this show does is good versus evil. Um, and and making it all gray mm-hmm. in, in a way, you know, like it's good versus evil, but who's good and who's evil? And sometimes the table, it seems to me the tables flip for some of these characters. Like I mean, last season, it definitely seemed like uh, the man in black, as we knew him last season, that, that he was the evil. This season, maybe he might actually be the good person. It it seems like he might be on a path of redemption. He yeah. seems intent on destroying what he built, which for a lot of, of those like kind of anti-hero people, they do realize that they build something, you know, that it's like that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think he realized that he didn't have that responsibility. And, and now that he does, he's like, this has to be stopped because there's a whole bunch of people here who do not have responsibility that want to get there, too. Um, I think it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe he doesn't seem like he's in such a crazy rush to it, but it almost seems like he knows he's not the only person trying to get there. Right. And I think he knows it's because the Delos people do want to use it and and he wants to stop it. And I think it's going to come down to like him versus um, Charlotte or I think it's going to come down to him versus Dolores. I really do. I think it's going to be an epic showdown in the last couple episodes of him him versus Dolores. Yeah, you know, I think you're right, too. And I'm pretty sure Dolores is probably going to be the one who takes out Charlotte. I wouldn't oh, be surprised. I'm curious. You know, we saw it in not a recent trailer, but in the the first, you know, the te- the big teaser trailer before the show launched and in the, the weeks ahead trailer we got after the first week of seeing a drone host throwing a human down and it's so like the even the drone hosts start rebelling that's a scary thing to me those drone hosts They're freak scary to they begin freak with. me <laughs> out they really freak me out and i know there's realistically there's the only thing that's truly physically different from any other host is they just don't have a face you know we see all the muscular structure and we're like wow they're big muscular dudes but it's like well so are all the other hosts they just have skin over it and we just don't realize it i mean we saw how easily Dolores like disloc- had to have been a dislocation, but she messed up the man in black last season with like no effort at all. It was all, all of a sudden she just like turned. It was like Neo in the Matrix when he when he realized how easy it was to beat Agent Smith. All of a sudden it was just like, no, nah, this is really easy. It's it's nothing, and it's it's scary to think of those drone hosts coming after people, especially when you see that, saw that one trailer shot where the one grabs Bernard. Um, which has to be after Charlotte finds all those other Bernards. We saw all the previous versions of Bernard. And something that uh, a really clever, and I wish I could give credit to whichever Redditor pointed it out, but someone pointed out at the end of last episode that the versions of Bernard, well, the Bernard we see in the post-waking up on the beach and hanging out with the Delos people, he doesn't have the the um, bullet scar. He has the scar that the actor Jeffrey Wright already has, but there's oh, I never noticed that. there's actually like a paler pinker scar that he has from the gunshot wound that's not present in those shots. That is present in the shots when he's still trying to like fix all the damage that's going on when he's with Charlotte. So it makes me wonder if the what what version of Bernard we're seeing there at the end. A lot of people have been speculating that. Um, Stubbs and that new guy whose name already escapes my um, my memory. I know it's one of the Scars guards, uh, but I can't think of his character's name. But uh, 
the the balding guy, the really tall bald guy that was there with Delos. He's on that military, the part of that military oh. group that showed up, and what I think his, his name? name begins with like an S too. But uh, I... it, it was um, it's from another show too. Strand. 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 Yes. Um, the Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Walking Dead, we need more Rebus. <laughs> the, the Stephen Ogg's character. Stephen Ogg. <laughs> the milkman. Yes, we need we need Stephen Ogg back. I love well, him. What was He's great was good. you know, and I don't follow The Walking Dead anymore, but I I, I I love the fact that his character in The Walking Dead looks so much like Rebus. And I mean, I guess they you know because of the filming things, they kind of probably have a deal with AMC. Like and we got to keep them kind of similar. The same jerk asshole in both of them it's, and, it's, and it's in grand amazing. theft auto <laughs> it's amazing he's, he's a he's a great actor so i i, I, I re, yeah i hope we i hope we have more of him hope we have more of elsie um i think I, is there anything else that you know we should cover here for uh for this episode you know i i know we didn't really touch a whole lot on the refurbishment outpost i really don't feel like it's it's all that important uh i thought it was interesting did we talk about the stuff that Logan was talking about. Yeah, we did uh, a little bit. Um, we definitely did. Yeah, I think we've. I think we've mostly we've covered a lot in terms, you know, in terms of everything that went on in this episode. The, uh, the problem with this episode is not much really happened, even though so much happened. There's so much to talk about, but not much storyline progression. No, happens. yeah, there wasn't a lot in terms of the story progressing, and. Even in terms of theorizing, a lot of the theorizing comes back to the two episodes, like cumulatively, and then even kind of working some of that stuff into just simple lines or dialogue from season one. And they did say that they were going to go out of their way this year to really mess with the Redditor people. So we've got our work cut out for us here and trying to figure things (laughs) out and how many, you know, how many red herrings are going to be and just trying to get to the bottom of the mystery. But I did appreciate the fact that we got to see more of the real world and finding out how Delos became fully invested in this project and even finding out what it is they're they're doing. You know, they're essentially uh, at the easiest way to say it. They're doing what Facebook does. You know, they're collecting all your information and they're not necessarily selling it to anyone yet, but they're going to do something nefarious with it. it (laughs) They're going to make they're going to make Facebook look like angels at the end of this. You thought what Facebook did with your data was bad. Whew, watch out for Delos. So uh, I think that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. Even in the previews for next week, we didn't get a whole lot of juicy information. We saw like a real quick shot of Hector with where nothing happens. And maybe it's Maeve that's standing behind him. We saw Dolores get shot by someone who's a bad shot and probably using a handgun. So it's probably a host. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if it's one of the Confederados, g- the general maybe, General Brigham or whatever his name is, who isn't convinced that she's she's he killed said, God. Yes. You know, so she's got some proving to be like, go ahead, shoot me. I'm going to be fine. This dude over here is going to come over. And he's going to bring me right back online. It's going to be like nothing happened. Oh, that was the, the that was it. The one last talking point I wanted to get on before we wrap things up. Dolores and Wyatt. Uh, something that was really interesting. Season one, episode three. When Ford first gives Teddy the Wyatt narrative, um, Teddy, a sh- the, the local sheriff and a human guest, it was a woman, they go out to find out you know, what's going on out in the wilderness. Wyatt's men have been seen. And they come across a bunch of Wyatt's men. They all shoot their guns, including the human, and none of their guns seem to do anything, anything. to Wyatt's men. Yep. Uh, Teddy, Teddy put 
a full six rounds in one of them and nothing happened. Now, something that's worth noting, and, and the way Armstead described Wyatt's men, the way we saw Wyatt's men last season, you know, masks, weird animal things on them horns they're covered up they look like they've got weird bandagey kind of things yeah they're they're hiding things and i actually wrote it down that um the host you know we saw that with the last supper scene they didn't patch and repair these guys they just brought them back online the physical damage is still there this guy's a hole in his chest it probably will make him easier to kill in, in a sense maybe not but they're they're like zombie zombie hosts in yeah, a sense. They're not, they're, they're, they're not actually healing the them. They're just bringing them back. And online. in order to make in order to make them both scarier and not scary, they're covering up these wounds. They're putting big giant cloaks over their faces. They're wrapping themselves up so that you can't see the bullet holes. But the fact is, is you could shoot these guys and they won't go down, just like Ford's Wyatt narrative. Yep. And Ford's Wyatt narrative was kind of loosely based on the first Escalante incident back when Arnold was killed. So it's even weirder, you know? It's just like Ford had the foresight to to put this narrative in there knowing that this was going to happen, that these hosts were going to rise from the dead and they weren't going to be able to be shot down which just is, like Wyatt's which men. Which is why I think this is all a scripted um, thing going on right now that, you know, they're in loops and, and they don't realize they they think they're making all these choices by themselves. But I really think this is another narrative that we're watching play out. It's a it's the Wyatt narrative with the real stakes that William wanted. Exactly. People can die here. No one's going to pay money to visit this place. This is like a final narrative. And I think even Ford says it's he, a final he narrative. Does. He does. He you calls know, it's, it is final narrative it's, in the last episode. Yeah, there's no coming back from this. No guest is going to be like, I totally trust these androids to not kill me now that Dello says we fixed it, but I even wrote down. I'm I'm saying that uh, uh, about the monster men from Wyatt that they suffer from Beric Dondarrion syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know that every time Beric got hurt, he was brought back and they just covered the wounds up, mm-hmm. and he just looked more and more ghastly looking. You're like, oh, he got the eye covered up. He's got these like bandages across his body <laughs> and everything. Like he's uh, he's barely holding it together, literally. So. It, I think that's like a, a really cool thing, and I definitely wanted to touch on that before we uh, we signed off for this week's episode. But I'm looking forward to next week. I, I look forward to it every week, and I, I think that's so cool that they film this as one big thing. They don't film it like most TV shows. It's filmed on actual film stock. Uh, they shoot on location for almost everything. They hardly green screen anything. Every They try to use as much practical effects as possible, and they edit it like a Hollywood movie. So they take like 10 plus hours of content and edit it all at once to tell this long overarching narrative. And I think that's so cool. Oh, it's awesome. Um, and, and especially now since uh, Walking Dead's over and uh, we don't get Game of Thrones for <sighs> an entire another year. Um, so at least we have something to fill our, our week and, and, and get excited for and wait for every Sunday. But I think that's going to do it for this week's um, Westworld breakdown and recap. Uh, a little rough around the edges as we find our footing here, which I think we found really well about halfway through this. Um, we'll be back again next week for one of these. We'll break down episode three, which is titled... Uh, oh, God, it had to be in another language, didn't it? Let me zoom in on this. Virtue a Fortuna, uh, which I had someone translate for me earlier, and now I can't remember what it translates to. 
Virtue uh, and fortune? Is, is is it and? I, I, I don't know. I, I do know that it is fortune. It has something to do with something and fortune. So it might be virtue and fortune. But uh, that is the next episode. We currently don't have a... I, wait, there was a tag. I just don't have it up on here. There was a tagline for that episode already. I don't know what it is. I, I've been enjoying the little taglines. Oh, I love the the first one where it the says puppet. the puppet show is over. I love that. I thought that was brilliant. It's it's um, it, clearly you know, Aiden has been writing these. They're they're one liners that are clear, concise to the point, and they're amazing. But uh, we'll be back again next week for another Westworld breakdown. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. I'm Nick. I'm Ashley. And we'll see you next week. Have a great day.